Where your dream girls, boys, will make you happy. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kersher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. And this week, it is my pleasure to say hello to you. I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined, as always, by the intrepid... Melissa. That's right. She is... She is hearty, she is fearless, and she is my companion in shenanigans. She is my shenanigator, my co-shenanigator. And I am Ooh. drunk. And I am also drunk. Yay! Which you might be able to tell just by how little you've heard me speak. Yay! It is, it is an even-numbered episode. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It is an even-numbered episode, dear listeners. Therefore, we have already recorded one episode while drinking, which means we are well off at this point. We are lubricated. Yes. Um, Melissa, <clears throat> like, I pre-gamed this evening, so by the time Melissa got me on the phone, she was like, holy shit, you're already drunk. I'm like, I'm happy. So Melissa decided to drink scotch to catch up so Woo. she's ahead of me now oh yeah I'm, talk about competitive i'm way ahead oh, oh. boy oh. yeah but you know oh. at least it's good i am drinking glenlivet 12 and uh you know that's not, good not the most spectacular scotch in my arsenal but it's very drinkable very simple uh in terms of you know i like the more peaty stuff generally but this is you know very mild and very drinkable for people who aren't used to the more aggressive flavors of scotch it so, also means you can get more of it down your gullet faster yep there is there is an alarmingly little amount of liquid left in this bottle right now Okay, so by the time we started podcasting an episode ago, I had finished off one bottle, and I am now halfway through this bottle of a very drinkable. I love my husband. He bought this just for me. He said, oh, you're podcasting tonight? I'd better get you a bottle of wine. I love him so much. He got me a nice Spanish Tempranillo. You have a very drinkable husband. That's what I He's heard. He's so great. He's so, he is very drinkable. So uh So you are drinking. I am so drinking. And you are drinking. We I am are drinking. drinking. We are drunking. We have been drunk. We are drunk. I am keeping this glass of wine in my hand because I keep getting distracted by having to pick it up, so it's probably best I just hold it. Mm. All right. All right. Listeners, tonight, today, this episode, whenever you may listen, mm. it's very it's late at night, which is also part of why I'm drunk. Um anyway, we want to talk to you about a topic near and dear to my heart, which is musicals, but we want to tell you about the musicals I don't like it. I actually kind of hate. <laughs> and in the process, 
I am also going to recommend some lesser-known musicals that perhaps you haven't seen that you should. So it's not just about, you know, spewing the hate. I'm also going to get give you a little love to try to redirect you. Like, mm-hmm. don't watch this thing that is awful that, like, everybody, like, it shows – OMG, everything that I have got on this list – shows up on top 25 or top 100 musicals of all time as bullshit. Oh, my God. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, there are other better movies you should be watching. Now, we've covered a lot of the class. I feel like you know your classics already, listeners. Like, you know you should fucking watch Sing It in the Rain mm. and all that jazz and Chicago, right? I know you know that. The Pajama Game. There are so many, like, obvious, that's just brilliant, you should watch it. West Side Story. Right, West Side West Side Story. I think is kind of iffy, but I mean it's glorious. You cannot go wrong with Jerome Robbins' choreography. There is a lot wrong with that. And choreography is amazing. I'll yeah. give it that. There is a lot wrong with the movie, but you cannot go wrong with the choreography and with Rita Moreno and uh, George Chakiris. Also, Russ Tamblin. Also, I'm a Bernstein fan, so the music is great, too. Yeah. It's the plot that can be iffy. Well, it's not even the plot. It's it's poorly directed. It really is. When you see it on stage done right, that thing just moves like a motherfucker. It, it is a poor choice of director because Robert Wise is not a bad director, but he was not right for that project. He was not. No, he was not right for that project. Mm. Um, by the way, don't ever watch Chorus Line, the movie. <sighs> oh, God. Richard Attenborough. I know, right? That mm, what bad choice, bad choice of director. What my favorite is like during the emotional high point, the camera pans up to the rafters, to darkness, <laughs> to nothing. <laughs> like what? Why would you? What? N- looking at nothing is better than looking at the actors. But anyway, anyway. So we're going to talk about some mu- some musicals. I hate. Uh, at the absolute top of the list, well, I don't know. Mm, it's hard to say how much I, which ones I hate the most. I'd say start low, then work up to the top. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> dear listeners, we are drunk. This makes sense to us right now. <laughs> Here is a movie musical that. Oh, for fuck's sake! I don't even like it on stage. Oh, really? But, no, I don't. Ooh. Um, Ooh. But on in every film. Oh God. Turgid. Turgid is a good word for this thing. And I, it's no it's no surprise that turgid sounds like turd. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. oh, people get all like, like, oh, they get sentimental about it. And it's just bullshit. There's, <sighs> there's one song in the damn thing that gets sung regularly. And even that song is not that good. And then there's another song that's super famous. But you can only, but only a certain type of person can do it. And even then, that song goes on for goddamn ever. And if you hadn't figured it out yet, it's fucking showboat. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! <gasps> oh, wow. I grew up. I grew up watching all kinds of stuff on TV when you were just stuck with it. And my mom would show me all of the musicals when they would. My grandma too, right? So I had seen all of these classic musicals by the time I got to like middle school age. But my memory of Showboat, my memory of Showboat is that one time, like in sixth or seventh grade, they rounded us all up 
like it was some sort of free day or something, some day where they didn't want to be bothered to teach, but they rounded us all up in the auditorium and they showed us that afternoon Showboat. And we sat there and we watched Showboat. I remember at that point that I had already seen it. So I was like, oh, I, I know this, but it's been a while. So I watched it and we were, I was a good kid. So me and my friends, we were respectful. But what I remember is it felt like we were there for years and like the day would never end. And then for the next, I am not kidding, three months, we would get each other to crack up just by whispering, old man, river. And we'd see how long we could wait before we said river. Old man. And river. Because we were in some, we were 13. And we were assholes, but that movie, oh my god. Oh, fuck that movie. Fuck that movie. Fuck that, and, and it, even and though, the thing, even, even though, though it has, got, it's got my man in it. It's got Howard Keel in it, man. It's got Mr. Longlegs himself. It's got Howard Keel. It's got Howard Keel. He's got of the glorious voice and the long, long legs. I love that man, but still, nobody in that movie is likable. The young ingenue is just flat out dumb, right? Mm -hmm. She she just is. And Howard Keel is supposed to be a lovable rapscallion, except he gets into trouble and then he just abandons his wife. And his wife is like, well, I can't go back to my father. Um, Why not? Because I don't want him to know how much how bad my husband treated me because I still love him. Your fucking abusive husband who abandoned you? Yeah. And then, like, the one famous song that everybody still does is Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine. Mm. Right? Ugh. I mean, and it's it's recognizable, but it ain't good. So everybody sings that song. And honestly, there's not a catchy tune in the bunch. It's a whole musical that's just, it just sort of lays there. It's, to call the pacing deliberate <laughs> is to consider one of my bowel movements an action movie. Seriously. It's just, ugh. oh my God. I don't like it. I don't. And then, and then to cap it all off, Yes, I compared it to pooping. To cap it all off, the last song you hear is Old Man River. And especially in the movie version, the tempo on that mother goddamn fucking song is like one beat every four minutes, as far as I can tell. And <laughs> and it's repetitive. And you're, you're meant to feel the weight of the slaves, but mostly you feel the weight of, I can't leave until this movie is done. And I know, and I think, I honestly got to think that the reason so many people are quote, quote, fond of this is because they feel like they have to be because it's this cultural touchstone because um, of how progressive it was at the time about race or something like that. But the reality is it's not very good. No. Have you seen it? Oh God, yes. Well, I've seen it on stage. I haven't seen the film, but oh, the the stage play is just, boy, boy. It it is fun hearing a really talented. Is it is it a baritone or a bass voice that sings "Old Man River"? It, oh, it's, it's bass. It's very unusual to get a bass voice. Yeah, to get a, a solo. Yeah, and and that's pretty impressive when it's done right. But other than that, oh, that musical is not. Mm. But even when mm -hmm. it's when it's done right, by the way, it's done a lot faster than in the goddamn movie. Yeah. 
If he wasn't drunk, he should have been. I would share my alcohol with him. I feel like that man knows sorrows and he and I could get along. Here's something for you. I actually like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which has basically a rape scene in it. What does that say about Showboat? <laughs> so, Wendy, if you had an antidote to Showboat, what would you recommend? You know what? If we're going to go back and uh, recast history or take a look at history, right, through a musical, you know what you should watch that maybe you don't realize you've missed all these years? Huh. You should watch Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, it's delightful. It is delightful. It is about George. It is a biopic about George M. Cohan, who was one of the early, like, um, impresarios of Broadway. He wrote, um, composed, starred in a many a Broadway hit and a, wrote a ton of classic songs like Yankee Doodle Dandy, like, um, her name was Mary, like Over There. That come, that was written by George M. Cohan. And of course, it stars, um, Jimmy Cagney. Yeah. And Jimmy Cagney, if you did not realize, if you've only ever seen him as a, in the gangster films that he made famous, he's a song and dance man. Yeah. Jimmy Cagney is a triple threat. He's amazing. And I've, I love Yankee. Matter of fact, I'm writing that down. I need to, I need to own that goddamn movie. Well, I just yeah, you do. I, well, I don't, I don't own it. Yankee <clears throat> Doodle Dandy. I need to own it. What's wrong it's with you, Wendy? so delightful. So it's a true biopic. It starts with him. He, at, when he starts out, uh, his whole family were vaudeville act and how he slowly rose to, to prominence as a Broadway star, how he got married, this, how the songs he wrote were so influential. And then there's this great scene at the end um, when World War II breaks out because World War I is when he wrote Over There. And World War II breaks out and he goes out on the street after basically, and this is highly fictionalized, but mm -hmm. basically meeting with the president. He, the president's all like, you write great songs and you really lift our spirits. He goes out on the street and everybody's singing Over There. And a soldier turns to him, what's the matter, old man? Don't you know the words? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I think I do. <laughs> and it's it's a musical that's kind of gotten lost in time that maybe you haven't heard of recently or haven't been reminded of. You should really see it. It's so delightful. And Jimmy Cagney, he's so good as a gangster that it's really lovely to see him being warm and charming and this like totally engaging song and dance man with this twinkle in his eye. He's so terrific. You really need to see Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, he was in Footlight Parade, too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Which is also yes. recommended. Lots of fun. Charming. Very much. Lovely. Yeah. Very much so. Look it up. Look it up. Also, uh, not well known today, I'm afraid. So, but, I mean, how many yeah. of us have sung, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy? I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, a he, Yankee, Yankee Doodle, doodle do or die. die. It came from a Broadway musical he wrote. I feel like there was another one that he wrote that was super... He was wildly patriotic because he, um, mm -hmm. he came from a family of immigrants. And like so many immigrants, they become wildly patriotic mm -hmm. once they're here because it's so much better than where they came from. And thank God for immigrants because they have made our country better. Indeed. Uh, immigrants, we get the job done. Yay, immigrants. Don't cut that out, Melissa. It's a Hamilton reference. <laughs> 
Um, let's go back to the ones I hate. Yes. And one of the ones I... Somebody's going to be listening to this. I feel like it's going to be like Harry Knowles or somebody's going to be like, what? <laughs> I, 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 I revoke your, your musical loving cred. I don't like American in Paris. You know, I'm kind of with you on that one. I have seen it once and it nothing stuck on my That's brain. That's because nothing happens. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's like a dance sequence I really like. And that's about it. Is that the one where he's in the sort of um, nude bodysuit doing yeah. the Toulouse-Lautrec and and you can see a lot of his ass? Because that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, but that's part of the very, 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 oh my God, very, very, very <laughs> sweet Jesus. Oh my God, I'm going to go pee. I'll come back. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's still going on. Very, very, very long ballet at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the thing about the ballet at the end is, unlike the ballet in Singing in the Rain, mm -hmm. which tells a completely different story, right? Right, right. The, the Gotta Dance, the Broadway melody, right? Mm -hmm. That tells its own encapsulated story. The American in Paris story tells the story that you've just watched. <laughs> in case you weren't watching earlier, here it is again. It's, it is actually a trope. In ballet, mm -hmm. they do that. Oh, yeah. They do that a lot. But uh, I don't really like ballet. Um, I really I really kind of don't. Like, I love ballet dancers. I love their artistry and their form. But I don't like a lot of classic ballets. I find them stilted. Like, I, I enjoy modern takes on them. Like, oh, like the new Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. the, the all-male one. Oh, I loved that. That was gorgeous. Loved it. But anyway, to get back to the point, so this one's got a, is it Leslie Caron in it? I think so. With Gene Kelly. I and mean, we yeah. know I love Gene Kelly. Like, this is a movie that should hit for me. Like, what's not to like? Dead ass, right? <laughs> you should Nothing. be able to watch him, watch Gene Kelly dance for X amount of time. The problem is that X amount of time apparently is not long enough to cover that whole ballet at the end. And also... This is not a role that allows him to twinkle. Right. Like, the, there's something fundamentally sort of flat about his character. Like, I don't buy the, I don't buy the love story, and I don't buy whatever it is that's holding, keeping them apart. So there's no conflict. There's no... I find it to just be incredibly dull. And it shows up on all of these best of lists. And I'm like, I feel like it shows up just as a legacy and that nobody's actually watched it recently. <laughs> like, because if you had watched it recently, you'd be like, oh, Jesus, this does not compare to Singing in the Rain at all. And Chicago totally trumps it. And all that jazz blows it the goddamned away. And, ugh, no. I Like, what is even the plot? Like, I'd have to look it up. I can't even remember the plot. And I've got, I'm somebody who remembers plots. Oh, um, well, like, I've got it up on IMDb and it says, Three friends struggle to find work in Paris. However, things become more complicated when two of them fall in love with the same woman. We. Oui. Uh, well, it's good that she's a prize to be one. That's always fun. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, mm. So, I don't like an American in Paris. And, I mean, I can't even get more specific than that because the problem is it's not specific. It's the characters are threadbare. The dialogue is... Buh. Buh. The dan I mean, the dancing is gorgeous, 
but it ultimately leaves you cold because you don't really care. I don't care. So, I don't care about these characters. So if you rent it or watch it somewhere, just fast forward to the dancing bits. Because like, really, that's the best stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, you could just watch the ballet at the end probably on YouTube and that would be the whole plot mm -hmm. of the show. And it would be quicker. <laughs> I might enjoy the ballet at the end if I hadn't had to sit through the whole movie previous to it. <laughs> American in Paris. So instead of an American in Paris, you know what you should watch? What should you watch, Wendy? The Bandwagon. Yes. I agree with that. It's got uh, Fred Astaire. Uh -huh. It's got Nanette Fabre. Mm -hmm. And it, oh, it's got so many delightful numbers. This is truly an unsung. This is one of those that gets forgotten. It gets forgotten a lot. And it's got Sid Charisse. Yes. Sid Charisse and, um, and Fred Astaire got paired more often than you would have thought. Everybody remembers Sid Charisse with Gene Kelly. Mm -hmm. But honestly... She did a lot of numbers. She did a lot of movies with Fred Astaire, and the two of them were surprisingly well suited to each other. Oh yeah, because he was so lanky yeah. oh, mm -hmm. and, and lean. Like her long-legged elegance really suited Astaire in a way that I mean, I like her with Gene Kelly because it's a contrast between his stocky athleticism and her and her long-legged elegance. But she and Astaire together have a a lightness. Well, and there's a flow together, a grace, and um, that dance in the dark. That th this yes. is the movie of the dance in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. That is one scene where literally the first time I watched the bandwagon, it wasn't that long ago. I watched it on DVD, maybe a couple of years ago now, and I watch that scene, and it's like. I have to watch that again right fucking now. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I reversed it and I started again. I watched it like three times through. That dance is amazing. It's just magic. The The grace of Fred Astaire and Sid Charisse together is amazing. It's true. It just, oh, it's so good. And I mean, I there are a lot of other more famous Fred Astaire musicals, mm -hmm. but... There was a sweet spot when in right at the like because he did a lot of early black and whites. There was a sweet spot with this and a couple of others right when he was right on his middle years, um, mm -hmm. where I feel like he settled in. Right, and he was so he was so charming without trying. Like he backed off. He he didn't feel as pushy on screen. I right. will always love Gene Kelly more because I love his his athleticism. And I love how manly his dancing is, but I came to appreciate Fred Astaire more once I got away from all the movies of his that I was supposed to love. And right. I started seeing the lesser known ones like the bandwagon. Yeah. I'm, I'm less about top hat than I am about bandwagon. I really like bandwagon. Yeah. Also, Vincente Minnelli is who directed Bandwagon and it's it's just glorious. Well, and it's a it's a yeah. backstage musical. Yeah. It's about putting on a show. If you've never seen Nanette Fabre, I love that woman so hard. <laughs> she is goddamn funny. Goddamn funny. And the triplets number will have you in stitches. 
absolute stitches. I don't even want to tell you too much about it. There's a reason why I'm not telling you too much about the ones I'm recommending in their place because I want you to go watch them and I just want you to experience them if you've never experienced them because they're so, they make me happy inside in a way that these turgid floating poop bombs don't. <laughs> Like an American in Paris. Floating poop bombs <laughs> is the name of my Alice Cooper cover band. Really? No, that's mm. not right. It's not quite. You know what? It's my Marilyn Manson cover band. That could be it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> so let's see. What else do I hate? What else do I hate with a burning passion? Uh, I'm going to go modern for a little bit. Okay. Because if I'm going to talk about movies I hate, and I know I've mentioned this before, but I would be remiss if I left it on the list because I hate it so goddamn much, right? Like, it would be false of me to not it like put it on the list of fucking Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, fuck oh, that movie. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you so hard. God. <laughs> fuck. Oh, oh just God. Even that... thinking about well, it. Well, now, I, is... I watched that movie. I... I wasted oh. two hours of my life at a buttnumathon, yeah. which is where I should be watching awesome films. And instead, I had to sit through that goddamn shit. Windy. And then I had to have people who were all who were not musical fans being like, it wasn't that bad. No, it really was. Well, for oh. those of us who aren't snobs, it's not snobbery to expect people to sing on goddamn key. Like, that's a minimum goddamn requirement. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wendy, you were sitting like two chairs away from me, and we. <laughs> this is a movie that drove people out onto the street in droves when it played it. Oh, oh yeah, and you and I feel like you and I stuck through it just so we could hate on it. And, yes. and dear listeners, I do prefer this podcast about to be about things we love, but oh boy, there was passion in this hatred for Phantom of the Opera. Passionate now, hatred. Now that's I was super respectful watching the movie. I was going to let it play out. I wasn't going to make any noises, right? Like if people were into it, that was up to them. But I was going to sit there and I was going to watch it all just so I could really fucking hate it. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I'm not a huge fan of the source material. Now. Oh, the, no, the, it's a terrible musical. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just find it to be thin and rather trite. I kind of hate it. I will take over the hate on this one. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> like, his stuff is poppy and catchy, but so often there's not a lot there. And the problem is that Phantom of the Opera should be epic and tragic. Andrew Lloyd Webber isn't the man to do that. No. At all. And so you end up with, like, you know what? Uh, think of me, you know, everybody who's got who's got a high C sings that goddamn song. And mm -hmm. there's All I Ask of You, which is, you know, super melodic and lovely, whatever. But the problem is that Every song that the Phantom sings goes on forever and it's repetitive. Ba 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 and it goes on like that forever. And it's just actually not very good music. Oh and it's in the stuff that does work is ripped off from somewhere else. Oh Quite blatantly. Well, like the, the whole organ thing at the beginning is Pink Floyd. It's fucking Pink Floyd. God damn it. I know. Oh. So already you have source material that's not very good. And then you have, oh, wait, who's the director? 
Joel Schumacher. Oh, God. Like, I knew before it even played. Like, I had heard they were making it. I'm like, it's gonna be shit. That's like two horrible things that will be horrible together. Oh. Dear listeners, if you have not seen this movie, the, the Phantom of the Opera adaptation to film is Joel Schumacher basically pulling out his Batman form to adapt Andrew Lloyd Webber. With way too much CGI. With way, way, too, with much way CGI. too much CGI and actors who cannot sing. It's like the biggest crime of all. He took the worst lessons away from Moulin Rouge in that he just yeah. took actors that he liked and then made them sing. These are not people who are trained in singing, let alone operatic singing. The thing that makes Phantom of the Opera tolerable on stage is the fact that... He, Really talented singers can showboat the shit out of it. Also, I mean, on stage, not, yeah. there's a lot of stagecraft. Yeah. What makes Phantom work on stage is there is a lot of stage magic that happens. The transformation from when she's in rehearsal to being on stage, that happens live on stage, and it mm-hmm. is an amazing transformation. Yeah. The, the chandelier falling and being raised and all that shit, there is a lot of really amazing stage magic that happens in the show. That is why people love it, because oh, yeah. it is a beautiful production, not because of the music. And yeah. the thing is, when you turn it to a movie, all of those things get done with, with just CGI, and then there's no power to it. And who who gives a goddamn shit? So then you're stuck listening to the music, and then you find out that the music isn't that good, and the people they have singing it can't even hold to the right pitch. <laughs> Gerard Butler is singing songs that are already boring, repetitive, and not very good. And then he's flat as a goddamn motherfucking fucking goddamn punctured tire. I, like, I was cringing. Oh. Tony Karna next to me oh my was God. visibly shaking. And the, I think the only reason he stayed in the seat was he was enjoying how much I was suffering. Like, yeah. the show next to him was so enjoyable as I'm just sitting there like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, you and I were both going flat, 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 flat. No, flat. I have a, I have a physical response when somebody is flat. Mm. I raise up to try to somehow magically like voodoo their pitch higher. Like if I can slowly raise up, maybe their pitch will raise up and they will not be (laughs) flat anymore. Oh, and mm. And then people were like, well, you're just a snob. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm setting the bar high to expect you to be able to hit the goddamn notes. And it is such an insult to the craft that I spent years learning to just let any goddamn motherfucker sing. And then, and then say, here's, here's a quality musical you should watch. You should spend like eight to ten dollars watching this. No, you shouldn't. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. I wouldn't pay eight to ten dollars to see that on a community theater stage. And if I did, everybody would be like, well, that was bullshit. But somehow because it's Gerard Butler, it's okay. No, it's not okay. No. That's bullshit. And I like Gerard Butler in 300, but don't let the goddamn man sing. <laughs> that said, Minnie Driver was a lot of fun. Oh, she was terrific. She was great. Except, like usual with that song, I can't understand a word being said. Oh, you're not supposed to. There's too much going on. That, and that's because it's poorly written shit. Yeah. Also- Because Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I love I love Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's earlier stuff is a lot of fun. You know yeah. what? I actually kind of enjoy Cats. 
you know, so it be. But you know, although once you know your Andrew Lloyd Webber themes, you cannot unhear them. Well, Much like yeah. Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm. like you're listening to Catch, you're like, um, that's Joseph. Oh, there's Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, there's Phantom of the Opera. Oh, there's Sunset Boulevard. Or if you know your opera, you go, oh, that's Puccini. <laughs> Which is true. He ripped it all off. Yeah. Yeah. It's all ripped off from other places. But so, yeah, yeah. listeners, uh, unlike mm. like the other two I've mentioned, the other two musicals are on best of lists. Nobody's going to put Phantom on their best of lists. Thank so God. Don't, so luckily, I don't have to warn you too far off. But seriously, if you even get curious one day, how bad could it be? Don't. Mm-mm. Don't. Instead, you know what you should watch? You should watch Cover Girl. Interesting. You should watch Cover Girl oh. because it has Gene Kelly and Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth, known as a sex symbol, could sing and dance like a goddamn motherfucker. Yeah, especially she could. dance. She was an amazing dancer. And the thing is, you might not know it because so much of what we know about Rita Hayworth is about her hair mm-hmm. and about her being a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. And when you watch Cover Girl, you find out she's completely underappreciated. And this was also the movie where Gene Kelly he was he directed it as well and he was playing with a lot of visual effects like there's a point where he's dancing with his reflection in a window mm-hmm. and it's super and it's meant to be and it's not like a fun little look at the look at this it's um a dark sort of psychological kind of freudian thing that's happening there as he's confronting his own what it is he truly wants in his jealousy. So in the movie of Rita Hayworth and Gene Kelly and a third person, I want to say it's maybe Van Johnson. Oh, it might be. I'll look it up. They are a trio. They work like at a nightclub, right? They're trying to make it in, in uh, showbiz on stage. Rita Hayworth, because she's fucking beautiful and she's really amazingly beautiful in this. She, she ends up like getting noticed, getting picked out and being a cover girl. Um, she gets picked out to be a model, to be a face of blah, blah, blah. And so she becomes incredibly rich, incredibly successful. And Gene Kelly, who was secretly in love with her the whole time has to confront the fact that he never told her that he's jealous of her success, that he misses her. Um, that he feels like she's sold out, like all of these things come into play. So um, I have a friend, John Grams, hmm? who feels that it is a better movie than Singing in the Rain. That's where he's wrong. But <laughs> it is a wholly unappreciated film. It is really intelligent and thought-provoking. And of course, it's got Gene Kelly, which you know, and he's amazing and he does some great stuff in it. But Rita Hayworth is a revelation in this film. And it is a definitely a movie that too few people have seen. And so you should seek out CoverGirl. And you should never, ever, 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 ever watch Phantom of the Opera. I have never seen CoverGirl. Okay, put it on the list of movies okay. that Melissa needs to see. Okay. You know what I also dislike? What, do you, what, what, else you, what, what also do you dislike? Okay, I just watched this last year. I believe I have mentioned this on the podcast, but it it still rates right up there. Okay. I recently, I just watched this last year because my mom claimed some fondness for it. I hadn't seen it recently, so we watched it with Teddy. Teddy, here's also, by the way, when your six-year-old doesn't want to watch a movie repeatedly, that's a good indicator it's not very entertaining. Right. Right, because... If, if it's got remotely any entertainment value, Teddy will watch it again and again on repeat. Meet me in St. Louis. Nothing happens. I agree. 
It's beautiful to watch. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. It's got more singable numbers, I will say this, than um, Showboat. There's yeah, uh, Clang 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 with the Trolley. There's Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. If I Love You, even Meet Me in St. Louis. Like, there's a lot of singable songs. But the flat fact of the matter is, the entire plot is, we're going to move. We don't want to. We're sad. Okay, never mind. Pretty much. It's not even like a character study. It's 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 like a a family portrait, it's, and and it's yes, pure, no, it's pure nostalgia. Oh, it is, it is, and it's it's directed by Vincente Minnelli again, um, who has this beautiful eye for shooting stuff like this. But the the problem is that, like you said, nothing happens in the fucking script, nothing. And and like you're you're supposed to care that Judy Garland is in love with the boy next door. That's another song, the boy next door. Except you never buy any sort of chemistry between them at all. No. And um and Judy Garland looks a little stoned throughout. Oh, like a lot stoned. Not as bad as she was in the clips of Annie Get Your Gun before they replaced her with Betty Hutton. Mm. Oh boy. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but wasn't this the movie where she was getting it on with Vincenta Minnelli? I would assume so. I, I would presume so too, but yeah. Since she had a child with him. Yeah, you know. It, it, getting it on had to happen in there somewhere in somewhere. order to produce I mean, Liza got, Minnelli. <laughs> we did get Liza Minnelli out of it. And hey, that's okay too. That's and all right. I, I don't want to dismiss Judy because she was an amazing songstress. Oh, yeah. Her hair in the movie is a bit unfortunate. It makes her look oddly shaped i mean the thing is you watch the movie because it's so nostalgic the clothes are nostalgic like you get a glimpse into the habits and the traditions that we used to have Mm -hmm. about holidays and they sort of traipse through the holidays over a year and so it's sweet but ultimately it's kind of boring and daft and i really don't need to watch it again probably for another 20 years so that tells you something (laughs) yeah i mean i can i i watched it fairly recently and i can't tell you a goddamn thing about the plot except that um the world's fair happens somewhere in there at the end at the end literally during the credits yeah like when they're when they're singing the last song, yep. like hey, we're gonna go to the World's Fair, and they go to the World's Fair, and you see it, and that's it. If I had a time machine, I would go to every World's Fair. Oh, so would I. You and I, oh my god, we would nerd the fuck out. I want a time machine. We so would bad. be like the least influential Doctors Who. <laughs> we yes, would, we would like just go through history, be shenanigators, and then disappear. We wouldn't fix anything. It's- we might even harm some things. We just go and go. Hey, World's Fair. <laughs> but the people we encountered would have a great time. They would be on the fringes. They'd be like, oh my God, do you remember the World's Fair? And we ran into those ladies and we had this awesome time. And then, and then we stayed up way too late. And then they convinced us to crawl inside the, like the sphere. And then we climbed up the thing and that was off limits, but we almost got caught, but we didn't. (laughs) That would be us. That would be us. In like skirts and petticoats. And we'd be like, and we'd be like, fuck these petticoats. And then we'd say it to the right person. Like you and I, we'd be starting the women's lib movement earlier, even earlier. Like, no, no, this is bullshit. Like, oh, why yeah. would you wear this? This is bullshit. You can't move in this. Mm-hmm. We thought this was a good idea. <laughs> All right. So if you're not going to watch Meet Me in St. Louis, you know what you should watch instead? What should we watch? You should watch Annie Get Your Gun. 
interesting choice. Now, this is unusual. And I recognize that this is unusual for me because it is actually a problematic musical. And it's not a great musical. It's not a great musical. Like the representations of Indians are problematic. Oh, God. Um, The sexual politics are problematic. Uh huh. Very, very much. Anything you can do, I can do better. And the way she gets her man at the end is to downplay her abilities so that it pumps up his ego. There's a lot not to like about this, but I'll tell you one reason why. You should watch it anyway. Betty Hutton. True. She is remarkable. She takes this terrible material and you cannot help but enjoy her. Now, this might be one listeners that you watch it and you disagree with me mightily. But the thing is, nobody is watching this musical anymore. So at the very least, if I can get you to watch it and have your own opinion, that is at least a step forward to getting this musical recognized again. Now... I have seen this musical on stage and I need to tell every community theater in America, don't do it. <laughs> do, do, because yeah, no, no, it's I not a good idea. You, you don't have Betty Hutton. And nope. really the only reason to watch this movie is to watch Betty Hutton. It's also got Howard Keel in it. Mm. And you know, I goddamn love him. And I love the sun in the morning and the moon at night. I love, there's a lot of great music in it. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, I would, if uh, also, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and I would see Ethel Merman play this on stage. Cause I bet she was amazing. There's no business like show business. Yeah. It'd be fucking awesome. It right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And dear listeners, if you haven't caught on yet, there's no business like show business that is, is in the show. The anthem. Also, anything you can do, I can do better. Sun in the morning, moon at night. There's a lot of great music from this show. It is it is chock full of great music and it is a delightful performance by Betty Hutton. And it doesn't hurt that she's getting to act opposite Howard Keel, who is doing his twinkly sexy best to give her something (laughs) to enjoy yeah i enjoy it very much um but nobody's watching this anymore and i because it is so very problematic racially and in terms of gender politics yeah look past the problems and see the joy that it presents because there is joy there there is the joy of a woman finding her way in the world of her figuring out how to be herself and how to communicate with somebody she loves ignore the part where she downplays how good she is in order to win the man she loves and assume that if this were to be retold in a modern setting that wouldn't happen that way right Mm -hmm. the point is she's got to figure out how to communicate with this man at the time it was made that was the only choice she had right it would be different now And I have no doubt that if Annie Oakley were born today, she would figure it out because she's a smart goddamn lady and she's capable as all motherfucking get out. Love her. (laughs) See, because a bad musical is soul destroying. It is. And that's, dear listener, why you should never watch Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? thought that was a good idea let's take oliver twist which by the way i goddamn love i'll tell you why i love it when i was in high school one of the best english teachers in the school was mrs victoria jones Mm -hmm. i can only assume that she is probably passed on by now she was in her 40s to early 50s when i had her in high school which is as we know 30 years ago now she may st- – actually, she's probably still – I should find her. I love her. Like, even now, I just want to thank her so much. 
We read Oliver Twist in my freshman English advanced class, and she played up every goddamn cliffhanger as if we were reading it in serial form, <laughs> just like when Dickens published it. Nice. So it's not the source material. I think the source material is the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. Like so much is going on there. In fact, um, let's think about it. That's the fucking problem. How do you take this epic novel and squish it down? Squish, squish, squish it down to a musical. Um, well, if you do, and you're not Les Mis, and <laughs> Les Mis has its own problems. Don't get me mm. wrong. I love it, but it's got its mm. own problems. Well, Les Mis, the source material, has its own problems, too. True, well, true we'll fact. We'll face that. Um, the yeah. stage musical is great. The movie is very problematic, although mm-hmm. anytime anybody sings Confrontation to me, I will love them forever. Um, the problem with Oliver is it's a goddamn hot mess. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's... Five different plots happening, each of them totally different, and none of them go together. Like, there's Bill and his prostitute girlfriend that Mm -hmm. he's abusive toward, but she's codependent on. That's kind of sick. You've got Fagin, the Jew, who is reviled socially, but he's got all of his little orphans, and isn't it fun how they steal from people? What? (laughs) And then you've got Oliver... And finding out that Oliver is the long lost son and all of that. It's totally, the problem is that Dickens, when he wrote it, was making a lot of comments on social problems. But when you condense it, you lose the commentary. So you just end up with these wildly disparate story threads that don't hang together. And by the way, music that's not very good. Like you've got, consider yourself. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Like, Consider Yourself is a great number, but it's oddly jaunty for a bunch of starving kids who are basically working for a pimp and who's forcing them to steal things and risk their lives every day. No, it's not good. It's flat out terrible. There's a reason nobody does the stage play because it's so not good. But it does have Oliver Reeve as Bill, the abusive killer boyfriend, so that's appropriate. Well, you know, Oliver Reed can go dark, so, you know, it is kind of appropriate, but... Mm. No, it's wildly appropriate. The problem is it's so appropriate that it doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie. He's terrifying. And then they go, haha, that was fun, let's move on. What? Not fun. No. I mean, at least Les Mis is kind of tonally consistent it's not good but at least it's consistent well i'm talking about the movie i I was gonna say the the musical is pretty okay the movie is hmm. no i like i like the musical quite a lot i Mm -hmm. like the musical quite a lot especially before it got heavily touring like i saw it right when it was on its first round of tours when it was still sort of fresh nowadays when you see it the tenardiers are usually played far too broadly Right. And it just doesn't fit. It No. Tenardiers should be fun, but wicked, not broad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun, yeah. but sleazy. Very fun, sleazy. But fundamentally unlikable. Yeah. When you play them super broad, by the very nature that you're laughing at them, you come to like them. And you should right. never like the Tenardiers because they're awful people. Yeah, they're terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, and I feel like yeah. a lot of the problems with Les Mis is whoever directed it had only seen recent productions. Like, he hadn't... Oh, you mean the film? Yeah. Oh, that was the guy who directed the King's Speech. 
there's so much wrong there. Yeah, and and he doesn't know how to use cinematography to to tell a story, but mm, that was very poorly done. Anyway, mm, that's Mm. a a tangent we can take later. If you're not going to watch Oliver, which you shouldn't, (laughs) what you should watch instead, I'm going out far far afield like everything else i've recommended has been um something that you can find easily as a movie okay but like i could recommend silk stockings that's another mm-hmm. sid Therese, fred astaire i could recommend funny face which is fred astaire with audrey hepburn i could recommend the pirates of penzance with mm-hmm. kevin klein <gasps> angela lansbury oh. rick smith mm-hmm. linda ronstadt like <gasps> so much good there but what i want you to go watch I want you to go watch Company. Really? Now, this is going to be a little bit harder to find. Okay. Um, because the only two productions I've seen have been filmed productions of a stage performance. Okay. I have seen the original production that has, um, oh, the guy who was in Herbie the Love Bug. And I'm Dean Jones. Ooh. Dean Jones playing the lead role of Bobby. Um, but you can also find a Lincoln Center Presents production <laughs> that has Captain Jack in it. John Barrowman? Yes. No he, shit? He can sing like a goddamn motherfucker. Really? He's a brilliant singer. In fact, he shows up in the biopic about Cole Porter that starred Kevin Kline. Uh, what was it called? Oh, I'm blanking. Shit. But he shows up in that in a small role where he is starring in a Broadway play. And he sings in that, so you can even see him sing. But if you seek out, um, I would, like, I love the original because Dean Jones and Elaine Stritch, by the way, (laughs) Elaine Stritch was in the original production. So there's reasons to seek out the original production, but the Lincoln Center production, which you can find, is really superb as well. Company is, it's Stephen Sondheim. It is very 70s in that is it, it is exploring a sense of personal self. Uh, what do I want? What do I want to be? Who am I? That's those sorts of very um, personal questions that were all the rage in the 70s. It's got great music. The Ladies Who Lunch. Uh, you Could Drive a Person Crazy. I'm Getting Married Today. There's. It's super funny. It's Bobby, the main character, who is continually single and all of his paired off couple friends and the way he interacts with them and the way they interact with him. Mm-hmm. And it's really brilliant. And I really sort of love it. And nobody has watched it. <laughs> and especially if you're a geek and you love John Barrowman, you owe it to yourself to see him in this role because it's everything you wanted. It's, it's Captain Jack singing and acting and being goddamn sexy and charming as fuck so go find it now i don't know how it easy it is to find so i apologize for that but um it's also uh one of it's one of stephen sondheim's lesser lesser known like everybody knows about into the woods everybody knows about sweeney todd right sondheim is great though i mean yeah even his lesser stuff is great he's such a cerebral composer mm-hmm. that even when it kind of misses, it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the Spike Lee of Broadway. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what? I just put in company on IMDb. You know what I landed on? 
What? There's a 2011 entry for company that stars Neil Patrick Harris. <gasps> OMG, that's right. And Patty Lapone. Oh my God, that's right. That's right. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Alongside Martha Plimpton and John Cryer and, and Christina Hendricks. And uh, Stephen yes. Colbert. No, it's a staged reading. It's yeah. a staged reading. I've seen I've seen clips from it with Christine. Yeah, Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm. Like staged readings are the bomb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. You get all of the great music and all the great staging without like having to deal with like a full production, so it's a lot easier to do. So they're more likely to do it. It's so great. <laughs> Hey, you want to do this and you want to do this? Let's get together and do this. Let's do a thing. So, listeners, those were some movies that I hope to Christ you don't watch and some movies that I hope to Christ that you will seek out because they don't get enough love. They've gotten a little bit forgotten. They've gotten a little bit left at the wayside. And with one exception, maybe two, I feel like Oliver still shows up on the top 100 a lot of times. Oh, yeah, like, it does. These musicals that I hate keep showing up on the best 25. And oh, my God, don't. Don't do that to yourself, people. People, please. Oh, oh my God. Seriously, go watch Bandwagon. Go watch uh, cover girl and get your gun problematic as it is is more enjoyable than that shit so please go seek these out and i think that you will find yourself vastly entertained as opposed to sitting there and going i'm supposed to like this this is important this is cinematic history yay it's like just force feeding yourself spinach yeah and it's not like, even spinach though it's not even that good for you <laughs> it's not that good for you and it's, it's like force feeding mm -hmm. yourself iceberg lettuce Force-feeding yourself canned spinach. <sighs> like, it's limp. It's tasteless. <laughs> oh, my God. The texture is barf-tastic. Right? It's just <laughs> awful. But it's supposed to be good for you, so I'm supposed to watch it. No. No. no smell it. Doesn't it smell bad? Walk away. Walk away. Go over there. Go over there. Go to the salad bar. Get some fresh shit. It's <laughs> so much better. Mm. Mm. So, listeners... I hope that I have given you some cinematic musical wisdom that you can take with you as you peruse your IMDb or your Netflix or your movie collection or your local video shelves. Please visit Video Universe, the best video story in the universe. That if you happen to go across, like, I don't know, meet me in St. Louis and you're like, I've heard this is good. You go, wait, no. <laughs> and then you go pick up something else. My job will have been done. I what I everything I've suffered through, I will have suffered through to good effect because it has helped you. <sighs> go watch Hamilton. <laughs> so, uh, Melissa, do you have a a pick? Yes, a pleasure dome recommendation. I do, I do, because when we were talking about something way, way back. What were we talking about? I don't remember. We were talking about something racially inappropriate in some musical. Um, oh, Old Man River. River. O River. Mm. No, what it reminded me of is something much, much better. Was um, it, There's a song by Branford Marsalis called Berta Berta. And it is basically a recording of... A slave song as sung by men along uh, working on a railroad line. And so the recording sounds like 
men going along putting in a railroad line during the time we were putting railroad lines in during the westward expansion of America. And it is, it's hard to describe because it is just devastating to listen to. It is uh, just a bunch of men singing as they're working and you can hear them. The, the rhythm of the music is the, the hammers hitting the spikes in the railroad line and the music fades in as they get nearer to you and then it fades out as they move away. And it's, it's just amazing. So um, I will link it in the show notes. It's really hard to describe. You just have to kind of experience for yourself like uh, the Matrix, you know, <laughs> just like that. So, Wendy, what do you have for us this week? Listeners, as we are recording this, I have Melissa tells me this might go up in like February. But right mm-hmm. now it's December, so a lot of things are popping up on my feed having to do with Christmas. So what I am currently delighted by today is there is a trio of hip-hop break dancers Ooh. who are poppin' lockers. Oh! Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. are dancing to one of the pieces from the Nutcracker. Now, the <gasps> Nutcracker is Christmassy, and I get that, but here's the thing that I'm loving about it, the juxtaposition of style. So you have this classic ballet music, and you have these hip-hop pop and lockers dancing to it, and they are, number one, fantastic. I think mm. I recommend. I recognize at least one of them from So You Think You Can Dance. But what I love with hip-hop is when I can spot the humor of it, I become a lot more interested and it is it's got a lot of humor and holy shit is the dancing just on target mm-hmm. so i recommend this it is um i'll send you the link melissa it's um it's basically the nutcracker with some hip-hop dancers in front it's the that one it's that one with a trio of pop and lockers. I believe that is the dance of the sugar plum fairies. I think it is. I By think Tchaikovsky. Correct. So we'll put it in the show notes. I'll send it to you. Um, it's currently on my Facebook, but I better send it right now so I don't okay. lose it. All right. Because by the time you ask for it, God knows if I can find it. Yeah. It'll be like two months in the future. Yeah. You know? See, right. I know. Like other things you can find from my description, but I don't feel like this one is as easy to find. But Oh my God, Melissa, you're going to love it. I'm going to send it to you tonight and you're going to watch it tomorrow. You're going to be like, this is so good. This would be this awesome. So it makes no, me I, happy. I love really good hip hop dancers. I, I just know. love watching them. Like the, like I can get behind like crump, like crumping in a lot of the harder forms. Like I mm-hmm. see what they're doing and I, I kind of love the raw aggressiveness. But what I really love is the cleverness of pop and lockers or um, all the ones who do smooth robotics and stuff. I don't know all the terminology that great, mm-hmm. but often a little bit of humor comes out and that's what wins me over. It's like, yeah. yeah, you're just having fun with me here. That's, that's so fucking clever. Like not just how crazy amazing your dance moves are, but how smart you are that you put them together in that way that it was commenting on the music or riffing on the beats of the music. Like that, you're not just an amazing dancer. You're smart and you're clever as well. I love you so much. I also I also love that hip hop is one of the forms of dance where it encourages men to also pursue virtuosity. Yes, very much so. And that's that's another reason why I like especially the less aggressive forms of it because mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, 
I find modern rap music problematic because so often it talks about guns and bitches and hoes and mm-hmm. all of those things. And it's like, I know you're commenting on your actual life, so I don't want to judge too hard, but do you know what it's like as a woman to hear you refer to women as bitches and hoes? Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this type of music just feels a lot more coming from a place of joy instead of a place of anger. Mm-hmm. And I will always respond better to that. Right. Always. Right. So, yeah. So that's my uh, Pleasure Dome recommendation of the week. Um, Yay. Listeners, uh, it's been great talking to you. <laughs> it's been great drinking along with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I better drink some water before I go to bed. Oh, God. Me too. Oh. I have failed in that the last couple of times, Melissa, and I have woken up very unhappy. <laughs> oh. Me too. I have to finish this glass of wine before I can go to bed. You can't you can't pour it back in. This no, gross. no, no, no. You no, no, no. Uh, you open a bottle of wine, you must finish it. It's like it's like a samurai sword. If you unsheath it, you have to draw blood. I know. It's true. Listeners, this has been the latest episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been one of your drunky hosts, Wendy, joined by my drunkening co-host, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Was that drunk enough? <laughs> that was very drunk and Okay, good. And we've been talking about musicals, both good and bad. So we hope that you will tune in next week and that <laughs> our state of inebriation and joyful conclusion. It's not the new year for us, and we are getting ready to say goodbye to this goddamn motherfucker. So, um, <laughs> so we hope that next week you will also tune in to hear whatever it is that we decide to talk about. Until then... We wish you many happy returns of the year and that whatever it is you're drinking, it goes down smooth. This this goes up in February. That's why I said it like that. Like, like what? They don't know. Like, this is like two months in. Yeah, but like, I hope the year is going better for them. All right, cool. All right. No, and that whatever it is, whatever is you're drinking, it goes down smooth. You have to admit that's a good line. Oh, it is. Right? Okay. I, I agree. All right, we'll talk to you next week, listeners. <laughs> Bye. I'm gonna drink some more. Oh God! Um, oh. I drink some more. <laughs> My glasses have whiskey on them. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown, and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. can't not respect that shit. I gotta bring the white elephant.